Exclusives are dead, Windows 11 has a new shipping date, and PowerToys gets a pretty cool new feature. Happy Friday, friends. Hopefully your Friday or your whole week was wonderful. I mean, it's school started this week in our household, so that's sort of a good thing. I live and die by the regiment, so getting back on to get up at everything, you know, get up at the same time, get home with this. It's a good week when things are back on a schedule that makes me happy in just weird and happy ways. School started. Life is good. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. We are like steamrolling towards a whole bunch of sometimes what's known as Techtober or Tech September. It seems like it keeps getting earlier because uh, Samsung just had their event. It looks like Apple's having an event September 7th. And it looks like Microsoft's getting ready to ship a version, uh, the next big version of Windows 11 in September. So we are just rolling downhill towards a lot of good stuff. And so we got a lot to talk about, a lot of questions. Let's just, let's just dive in, my happy little friends. Okay, anyways, uh, Microsoft launched a Markdown language server. Now, this might sound a little more impressive than it somewhat is here at the beginning, but if you are a Markdown user, and a lot of writers are a lot of people who do things on the web, use Markdown. I've used it quite a bit extensively as well. Microsoft is now making it work better with Visual Studio Code, and so that is kind of, like, if, if any of that makes sense, this is going to be a really big deal for you. If you don't use Markdown, then, then it's probably not a big deal, uh, but the Markdown language server is finally coming. Microsoft's getting more invested in supporting Markdown across its portfolio, which is just a really cool and good thing. Uh, it, this one honestly caught me by a little bit by surprise here. Microsoft is making some changes to their Teams Rooms business model. So they're kind of scrapping their old licensing plan and in Microsoft typical fashion, they're coming out with a new and improved licensing plan, but I actually think they're headed in the right direction here. They're now just gonna offer two Teams Rooms plans. There's Pro, which comes at a fee depending on whatever you're gonna be paying, uh, which negotiated with Microsoft directly. And then there's also Basic, which is free. And the Basic version is probably going to fill the bucket for most SMB users. It has all the basic stuff like scheduling, joining, sharing uh, that you would expect out of that. And then the Pro pretty much just adds device management remotely. And that's where the, the big difference is. But Microsoft is actually making it a little bit easier and cheaper for that matter to get into the Teams room experience, at least for now. And the, ba the way you get the basic is you just go out and buy Teams hardware and then you just get a basic license for free. So that's actually, I, I think, a good thing. Uh, other things that are going to be interesting here. So Windows 11, the widgets on the taskbar, which, you know, pulling it back, I actually don't mind the widgets on the taskbar. I actually quite like them with the caveat that the widget uh, on the taskbar can now show you notifications, which I'm a little nervous about because because they could be abused for reasons that you don't really want. Like, hey, there's some new awesome weather thing happening, a tornado's coming, you should get a notification for that. But then there's some like drama in, in the e-news world, which I don't care about, and I might get a notification for that, which could be annoying. That The, the point here is that I like the widgets, the notifications, just cautiously approaching how that... Um, how Microsoft is going to start using that. So uh, also big Windows 11 news. If you use WhatsApp, they have launched a redesigned app on the Windows PC, and this is big for pretty much everybody outside the United States. WhatsApp is used in the US, but if you're outside the US, like when we went to Punta Cana, whenever I'm in Europe, WhatsApp is the big deal. And now on P Windows 11 PCs, it is a way better experience. And so go grab that uh, if, you're, if you're a WhatsApp user. Speaking of Windows 11, it looks like on September 20th, scooped by a uh, good friend Zach, looks like that is when Microsoft is going to be releasing the next 22 or big version of Windows 11, 
H2. And so we already know what's coming. There's folders in the start menu. There's the widget stuff and a little bit else. Um, it's not like it's not a major. Re I mean, it is technically a major release. It's Microsoft's one major release, but uh, tabs and file explorer. But it's that's the date that's going to be pushed to everybody, or it's going to start shipping, um, replacing the retail or shipping version uh, that arrived last year. Uh, Microsoft also removed some taskbar animations in Windows 11 build 25182. This is an insider build. So the animations, if you're not familiar with them, are when you uh, either when you either restart Explorer or more than likely when you log in, your your animations for the icons on the taskbar, they kind of just like pop up, they kind of like slide pop. I don't know how to effectively describe it. They were testing an animation where they sort of rolled in gradually and, 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 and fade, like a gradient roll in is the only way I can kind of describe it. And that animation has been removed. Moved. It doesn't mean it's not coming back. It's just if you like different animations and people did notice it right away. Uh, Microsoft has pulled that from uh, the insider stuff. Power Toys will also get a new OCR tool or object content recognition, allowing you to select text from any image. And so that's a pretty cool thing. Power Toys is one of those really interesting apps that has a lot of, a lot of just free and open source stuff just kind of wrapped up into a, a neat little package that makes it easier to use. And so OCR text tool will uh, be beneficial, I think, for some. And then also Microsoft announced that their dev boxes, their Azure dev boxes, I should say, or cloud dev box, whatever they call them these days, uh, are now available in a public preview. And this is basically you get a development box in the cloud, so you can have a really low power device, not this Surface Book 3 is not a low power device, but imagine I imagine it was, it was, then I could connect to a cloud dev box and do my heavy lifting, and uh, my, that's the scenario for that. So, uh, on to the gaming news, if that wasn't enough stuff. Also, Apple's looking to have an event on September 7th before we get into the gaming news, and so that will take a lot of headlines, and that's only like three weeks away, so we should be getting, the invite should be going out soon for that, roughly. So, uh, on to the gaming news for real, because there's some really interesting stuff going on. First off, it looks like Sony might be launching their own PC games launcher. So this shouldn't be all that surprising. I'm surprised they didn't try to ink a deal with Epic, who is known for paying out for this kind of stuff. But either way, Sony has really warmed up to the idea of putting their games on PC because it's like, hey, we can make a lot more money for our titles that we've already spent millions, if not billions, developing. Billions would actually be a lot. Hundreds of millions, I should say, developing. And we can put them on a PC and tap into a whole new audience and can make a whole bunch more money. That's just kind of the way it's working on uh, for everybody. And it makes complete sense because it costs a lot and you can just make more money. And that's that. Anyway, so it looks like Sony, there's not confirmed yet, but it looks like through the tea leaves of everything that Sony has been doing, it looks like they might be working on their own games launcher. I... I, I always kind of pull back when I think, gosh, another games launcher, because how many launchers have come and gone, and it's just sort of like, another thing, I don't know. But Sony's got enough IP under their belt that they might be able to actually tangibly get away with it, and I don't know if they would ever compete with Steam, definitely compete with the Epics of the world, and so be on the lookout for that. Also, speaking of Sony content on the PC... And on Xbox, uh, Death Stranding is coming to PC Game Pass on August 23rd. Now, this was sort of hyped the whole entire week, but it looks like August 23rd, which is just a couple days away, uh, you'll be able to play Death Stranding on the PC, which is previously a Sony exclusive. Now it's on PC. And so there you go. There you go. It's just sort of that cracking of like exclusives in the console industry, in my opinion, are completely and utterly, I shouldn't say completely and utterly, that 
mostly day because the outlier here is Nintendo. I haven't seen any like movement of bringing Nintendo games to the PC, but at least from Microsoft and Sony, the, the console exclusive is dead now. It's just sort of like brand exclusive, but even that's like really fading out now with Sony games coming uh, to Game Pass, even just on the PC in general, really breaks that barrier down. So either way, uh, that's really cool. There's also a bunch of Quake Champion games coming to Game Pass for PC. There was QuakeCon this week, so keep ahead for that. Uh, Expa, Xbox Alpha, Skip Ahead Ring, which is like the next version of the Xbox dashboard. They've made it easier in the settings panel to determine which home, which console is your home console, and so be on the lookout for that. There's also some your, your generic performance improvements, which we hear every single time. Also on the Xbox side, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. If you pre-order it, you'll get access to the campaign earlier. I don't know why I'm banging on the desk. Maybe because I really like Call of Duty. Uh, but this isn't, I don't think, anything to do with the acquisition. This is just one of those, like, Sony has the deal with the, the, the multiplayer stuff. And so Microsoft clearly landed a deal to get access to the campaign a week early. And so be on the lookout for that if you're on the Xbox side so you at least get to play the campaign just a little bit early. And wrapping it up, because if that wasn't enough news, Microsoft finally is going to let you download games from the Windows Store app on your PC, meaning you don't have to go through the Xbox app, which is good. I don't know why it was ever like this, but now you can get all your games and content through the microsoft store app you don't have to awkwardly look into the xbox app on your pc and whoo that was a lot of that was a lot i mean that's that's one folks that is one week of primarily microsoft and xbox focused news that is one week one week of stuff just crammed in there uh, for you to digest on a Friday or whenever you listen to this. And so let's jump into the questions. As always, my favorite part of the week. I like I'm just in a good mood. It's just it's been a relatively good week. So let's just keep the good times rolling with Matt Dinah saying, what are you currently watching or playing? Or is that more of a winter activity? Also curious, what are you currently subscribed to? Wow, that's okay. The subscription one, we'll get to that. So what am I currently playing? So I, I'm a big Call of Duty player. Like that's, that's what I play. That's what I play with my, let me play, let me qualify that. Call of Duty is what I play with my friends. So it was a group of us, I've mentioned it probably a million times that I've been playing with for more than a decade, which most of them I've never met in person, uh, which isn't all that unusual in the world of Xbox. We've been playing for more than a decade. We just play Call of Duty Warzone or whatever. Now, when I'm playing by myself, I still play Flight Sim quite a bit. I just really like the, the landing challenges in Flight Sim are sort of just my, let's just go relax and just just hang out sort of thing, right? You can go fire up the landing challenges, the Maverick challenges, the Top Guns or whatever they call them. Challenges are still there, but I really just like the flight landing challenges and I hope they keep adding more. That's what I kind of do. And also the scenic flights are okay, but I don't know. Landing challenges are just kind of my jam. Also, Fall Guys, uh, I play that quite a bit with my daughter. And also Minecraft Dungeons is what my daughter and I are currently playing through. But though that's more of a wintertime thing, like when it's can't go outside. So uh, Minecraft Dungeons, Fall Guy, uh, Flight Sim and Call of Duty are probably the things that are key, that are fully loaded on my Xbox, downloaded locally, if that makes sense. What am I subscribed to? It feels like everything and nothing. I, you know, it's pretty much everything. So I'm a big... So currently in our house, but we're not paying for all this. I'll explain here. So we have Netflix like everybody else. We have Hulu. Uh, we have Disney+. Plus, and we have HBO Max. One of them, whatever the Harry Potter one is on HBO, we have that because my kids are massive into Harry Potter. So we watched those movies, and that's aside from the point. I am not paying for Hulu, and I've already paid for Disney+. Plus. Remember, before Disney+, Plus launched, you could buy, it was no joke, I think it was like three years of prepay for Disney+, Plus for three years for like 60 bucks, and I did that. I don't know when that expires, and when I'll have to start paying for that. Again, um, 
Hulu, I don't pay for because there was a deal at one point where it was, if you had Spotify, you get the Hulu like with ads, so we have that. The ones I'm actively paying for are Netflix and then uh, HBO Max, but I paid for HBO Max up front, so it's not a monthly thing. And either way, there's, like, it, it's, it's, like, really daunting when I start to think about it because I'd also like to get Paramount because my wife and I want to watch through The Office. We've both never seen all the episodes, so we, or much, many of the episodes. So I'd like to get that, but I don't want to pay for it. And we did the thing where you could get, like, 30 days free with the Halo stuff, and, like, that expired. And so I... Blah. And then football's coming back, so it's like, hey, I can't wait for football to start. So there you go. I'm also subscribed to Spotify. Oh, there's Apple TV, but Apple TV, I don't think we're paying for it currently because when you buy a new Apple device, you get X amount of months free. And now that For All Mankind is over, there's not much we watch on there. And so I need to wait for that uh, um, Ted Lasso to come back is probably the next thing we'll watch in there. But I don't think that has a release date yet. Also, when is it? Isn't it Jack Ryan on Amazon? Can we pay for Amazon Ugh, for Prime? I've been waiting for the next Jack Ryan to drop on Amazon. <laughs> Who knows? That was a long question, but good question. Good question. Sydney 2K says, hey, Brad, much has been said about the findings of the legals uh, because of the Brazil related to Xbox One's sales worldwide, meaning the roughly at max 58 million because they said it was officially two to one. Roughly less than half of the PS4's total sold, which was 117 million. In comparison to other console generations, those numbers look bad, but in comparison to just units sold, was the Xbox One a failure, or such a failure, I should say. At the end of the generation, where did the Xbox One end up on the ledger, red or black? I don't know where... The, the counting gets really difficult because you can make anything a prop... Not anything profit or loss, but in a company the size of Microsoft, depending on how they allocate costs, they can really make anything... You know, positive or negative, where it really shakes out um, in the financials, and Microsoft doesn't do a great job of breaking that out. I don't know if it ended up in uh, in the positive territory. They may have taken a loss over the entire generation, especially on the hardware. That's pretty typical. What I don't know, and this is why I was waffling a bit, is are the game royalties. Remember, Microsoft gets a dollar, not a single dollar, but a certain percentage of every single title sold goes back to Microsoft. And I don't know if how, I don't know where that lands in the revenue category. So on the hardware, I would expect that it was probably a loss. I mean, that's pretty typical. Um, I don't know if I'd call the Xbox One such a failure. It was definitely the, probably the worst launch by far for Microsoft in console history, just because of the TV thing, the Kinect thing, the price thing, the submarine thing. Like they lined up a natural disaster and put it in front of that launch. And it just, it kind of, you know, it destroyed what they were trying to do and it really did hurt them now they gained a lot of momentum at the end with the xbox one x and they've kept that momentum going into the series s and x so i don't i wouldn't say it was a a disaster of a generation but it was i think xbox one will probably go down as microsoft's worst generation for consoles in their history that's bold to say because we don't know what the, the future is ahead but they learned their mistake let's just put it that way they learned from that uh, Greg Hudson says, what's happening with Project Volterra? Now, Volterra was announced at Build. It's the little thing. It's not quite this size. This is, this is nothing. Actually, it's a little box, whatever, felt box. So it's something like this. It looks kind of like a Mac Mini, and it runs ARM, and we don't know when it's shipping. Uh, I thought they said, I thought it was supposed to be coming this fall. That is what I was initially expecting, and so that would be my guess. I believe pre-orders are still open if you want to go try to grab one of those. Crunchy Frog, it's that time of the year where new products are coming down. That's as we talked at the top of the podcast. We got Techtember, Techtober, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I'm curious if you have any plans to upgrade any of your Apple tech after the launch or launches this fall. So Apple TVs, no. 
maybe an iPhone. So not my iPhone. My wife has an iPhone 11. Yeah, I think it's 11. It'll be three years old this year. So that's typically when we would we we hold our phones now for three years until the battery basically just becomes whatever. Um, so maybe an iPhone. The other interesting one would be the watch. My watch when I went to Punta Cana this year got. <laughs> Very, very smart of me. I went down a water slide with it and it just got the, the crystal or the display got scratched to uh, all hell. And so maybe an Apple Watch, maybe an iPhone, but we'll see. I'm not expecting... The thing that I want most in an iPhone is USB-C. That is what I want. I want to get away from the lightning chargers. I want to carry one cable to rule them all. Even though wireless charging exists, even when we're traveling, taking like the, the charging puck thing on the road is still a pain in the butt. So I just want, I just want USB-C cables for everything, everything that my Surface Laptop Studio can charge over USB-C. And so the iPad, the iPads go to USB-C. Like I just want USB-C. So that would be the thing that would actually get me to jump, even though then I probably at that point... The watch would still not be USB-C, but uh, yeah, so that's that's what I hope. The the perfect scenario, the perfect scenario that would get probably get me to upgrade everything would be iPhone 14 with USB-C and reverse wireless charging, so that I don't have to take a watch charger. That would be what we need. That is what we need. Um, anyways, uh, John says, I've been working on a web app that uses Azure Vision AI services. Do you think Microsoft will continue to invest in and support this? Absolutely do. I absolutely do. I don't want to rewrite the code if they ditch it. Uh, Azure and AI services are where Microsoft wants to be. They want, if you're using a Microsoft cloud service, they are going to support you. That is where Microsoft wants to make the revenue. They don't want to sell perpetual on-premises licenses. So if you're using a cloud service, that is probably the best bet that you can make. Granted, Microsoft can and does pull things on occasion um, out of the cloud, but I don't believe any AI services, which is what Microsoft wants its cloud to be known for, are on that list. Also, a web app is just a great way to go if that's the type of application that can be supported inside that sort of a model, if that makes sense. Like, if it's not a super... You're not building video games, is what I'm trying to say, in a web app. You're not running Unity or whatever, uh, or Unreal Engine, I guess you could, but in a web app, typically. So, I think you're in, I think you're in a good, safe space. If, if, if that makes sense about as safe as it gets john also uh asks he says i know paul t wouldn't approve but i'm a big surface fanboy uh, i'm a big surface i like surface stuff too do you think we'll see microsoft try to make ambitious products like the studio duo neo or something new altogether soon or are those times gone i think we will now it's a slow march like here's the duo uh the the og duo which i still prefer over the duo too just because it's a flat back uh, the flat, whoop, the flat back, even though the specs aren't up, I think from like a, I think this is going to go down in like sort of a, a, uh, not many people bought it, but it becomes a classic if that makes sense. Right. You know how that sort of happens with, uh, vehicles just because like it's, it's got like a timeless design. It's got a timeless design. I, I believe that of the surface duo. Uh, I do believe that they will continue to try ambitious things mostly because they have to, because their PC partners, while they will try HP is a good example of who do occasionally try that sort of thing. Microsoft has to lead the charge to keep the energy behind windows 11 and windows in itself. So I do believe that will happen. I don't know when uh, the next kind of sort of thing will come along, right? But I do believe that Microsoft will continue to try creative things when the time is right, just to showcase that, hey, we can still do this and will continue to do this. The Joe Finn says, I know I've asked, oh, this is a good question. I know I've asked this before, but is Microsoft planning to do anything with OneNote this century? So I forgot to include the notes earlier. I'm pointing up as if you could see my podcast notes. The loops 
Feet app, which is, I, in my opinion, what going to be might supersede OneNote, was not leaked, but the internal beta site was made public, I think, accidentally, and people saw it. You couldn't download the app. You could just see some screenshots. It's all what we expected. Loops, in my opinion, is what's going to supersede OneNote. Now, that being said, I can't remember the individual's name. It was just announced on Twitter not too long ago, the past couple of weeks, that there was a new head of OneNote or working on OneNote. So I think Android app just got updated. The thing is, I think OneNote is not going to see a massive plethora of new features. OneNote is very much still geared towards, I think Microsoft internally believes, towards the students, the education sector, and Loops is what, I, again, something I'm very looking forward to is going to be the new sort of note productivity tool that is coming down the pipeline. And so what we don't know yet quite yet is how Microsoft's in the ecosystem of OneNote and Loops is going to position both products. We've only seen the tea leaves of like OneNote goes back to education and Loops becomes the productivity tool that they tried to make OneNote into. And so, yes, um, OneNote is a great tool for education. I don't think that they're going to back away from that. And, even, and a couple commenters even said, hey, we've seen it with uh, students all the time. So uh, OneNote is not dead. I, I don't think that they're actually collapsing their strategy. Remember, they have like three different apps. They have like OneNote, OneNote for Windows 10. Then there's like the OneNote on the web. And now they're all just going back to one, one OneNote to rule them all. And I think that simplification is a net benefit for bringing more features to the solution. But I don't know how far they're willing to go down for the, the cross OneNote integration. Because again, there's the loops is where Microsoft wants to be for their uh, interactive and collaborative process should be in loops where OneNote is more of a singular tool. I don't, I'm a, I've become a big Notion user. Loops is the comparable, and I will absolutely be giving Loops a spin to see how it works in with the rest of the OneDrive suite because at the end of the day, I'm in the Microsoft 365 ecosystem. While, one, while Notion is great, there are things that are lacking that Microsoft is probably de likely deliberately made not great, which is their integration with OneDrive and Teams and all that. So... Uh, not surprising that loops will integrate with all that stuff easily. And so, uh, Mr. PKI, ending question of this week. What is new and exciting for enterprises to rapidly adopt and roll out in Windows 11 for business? Is it fully polished compared to Windows 10? And what features can enterprises get in Windows 11 that are not possible in Windows 10? Taking a step back here, Mr. PKI. And the interesting thing, I was opining about this late last night. Windows 11 is almost a year old. We're, we're not quite, I mean, we've got a couple months, but we're almost a year old. Like we're approaching that deadline. We still have no idea the adoption rate of Windows 11. Microsoft has not shared these figures. We all know that they are lower than Windows 10 because if they were greater than Windows 10 in any meaningful way, Microsoft would be trumpeting that. Not to mention, we also know that Microsoft jacked up the security baseline requirements. Now, I'm a big reader of Reddit, especially the system admin subreddit, and it looks pretty universal, at least among that audience, that nobody's really kind of adopting Windows 11 until they buy new hardware. Nobody's taking existing stuff and updating it. And we don't quite know the end date yet, for Windows 10. Microsoft is officially on the hook for 2025, but I, they might extend that out. I, we'll be curious to see if they do. Now, to answer and dodge Mr. PKI's question about what is in Windows 11, there's not, there's not a ton. I can tell you what there is in Windows 11 is some retraining effort that you're going to have to do for your users because Microsoft forces the start menu in the center, and it's not a huge deal. And full transparency, my company, I, the reason one of the reasons I left for Stardock is that we sell a product that allows you to put start menu right back to where you want it and where your users expect it, and that way you have one desktop for all your devices. Um, there's not a ton 
in my opinion, in Windows 11. There are some security enhancements that Microsoft likes to talk about, especially raising that baseline to the P- TPM requirement. But I think the reality is that most businesses are already running that sort of an infrastructure and setup. And so there are some hardening that Microsoft likes to talk about in Windows 11, but they've also talked about how they've backported most of it to Windows 10 because, hey, that's where their customers are. And if you're wondering why Microsoft would do such a thing, enterprise customers are already paying for Windows 10 and or Windows 11 through their software subscription or software assurance modeling. So Microsoft doesn't lose and or win more by a company staying on Windows 10 and moving to Windows 11. Sure, they want everybody on Windows 11, but here we are. Uh, I am not, I, I don't think we're going to see mass adoption of Windows 11 in the enterprise until they're forced to do it. But the interesting thing here is that we already know that Windows 12 is sort of coming. And so our company's going to just kind of waft over Windows 11 and jump straight to 12. It might happen, but you got to remember, if you're an enterprise with, let, let's just say, 100,000 PCs running Windows 10, what is the benefit of moving to Windows 11? Besides, you got to retrain everybody. Rounded corners aren't a justifiable reason. Taskbar widgets, which already exist in Windows 10 vanilla, uh, are already there. And so Mr. PKI's point is here is like, what, you know, what's the upsell here? And the answer is not a ton. And I think that's okay. Microsoft will continue to just make billions of dollars doing this while they continue to tinker around with the interface. And so we'll kind of go wait and, wait and see what happens here with Windows 12. So... I don't know. It's a good question. If anybody has stats on Windows 11 sales, I would be more than willing to love to take a look at them because we all kind of know that they're not. They're trending way below Windows 10. Which, let's be honest, is that surprising? Windows 8 was such a dumpster fire. People could not wait to get to Windows 10. So, there you go. Awesome questions this week, my friends. Awesome week in general. I love the interaction. I love just, just in a good mood. Hopefully you're in a good mood. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. We'll get all of you right back here next time.